If you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 32. Uh, I didn't have in the bulletin what I was going to preach on because a lot of times I'll study something and the Lord tell me he wants something else. And that's what happened to me today. About 2 o'clock, the Lord said, No, I don't want you to preach what you've studied and got ready. I want you to preach something else. And it's about... uh, Numbers chapter 32, a borderline Christian. You know, we can look at a lot of things that went on in the Bible and relate them to us today. The way God's promised people things and they didn't want it. They'd say, oh, that ain't for me. And there's people like that in the world around about us today. But if you found your place in Numbers chapter 32, I'm going to read verse number 5. And it says, Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over Jordan. Our most gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you again. Thank you for another opportunity to be back in your house today. And we pray, Lord, that you just be with those that are not here for whatever the reason. Pray, Lord, that you just be with them today and bless them. Be with each and every one, Lord, that's in the homes, in the hospitals, that's sick and afflicted, and in the nursing homes. I pray that you just uh, reach your hand down and touch their bodies, Lord, and comfort them as only you can. Thank you, Lord, for uh, all you've done for us and all you're going to do for us. For send the blessing in the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Here in these verses right here, this is a. Uh, these people right here that we're looking at, they're kind of strange. And it's a, it's a strange people, and it's a meaningful scriptures. Moreover, it's typical of the times that we live in. Everybody knows somebody that God is, is they've got promise from God, but yet they don't want it. And they'll say, you get to talking about, about it to them or something, and, and God's wanting to bless them, but they're not here. I mean, they might have been somebody, if they'd been here tonight, might have got a blessing. Not from nothing that I've done. Uh, or, but what God had promised them to have. It could have been a, a healing. It could have been any number of things that, that God wanted them to have. And that's the way these people right here were. We see a people right here, we're going to consider the moments right here, they was God's called out people. God called these people out and said, you're my people. And he said, told them, he told Moses, he said, you go down there and you tell Pharaoh to let them go. Because they're my chosen people. I'm their God and they're my people. And that's like us. When we get uh, saved and born again, God's chose us as his people and he's our God. And he's promised us things. But these right here people were called out. God says, this is going to be my people and they will serve me. They'll be my people and I'll be their God. These was chosen people of the Lord that we're looking at here. They were redeemed people. God brought them out of the land of Egypt, which if you're looking at typology, Egypt would be looking as a typology of sin. God brought them out of ungodliness world of sin down there where they was at, living with Pharaoh and his People and all the ungodliness and God and ungodly worship and all they was doing, all the different idols. God went down there and said, "These is my people, 
I want them out of this place, such a place as this. I want them freed from this bondage, from Pharaoh and all his people. He says, I want them out of here. And that's the way, when Jesus died on the cross for us, we was in bondage of sin. And God sent that Holy Spirit to convict our heart, to make us realize, hey, I want you out of this. I want to take you out of this world of sin and bring you into this promise that I've given you. And that's what God was wanting to do to these people. He was wanting to bring them into the promised land. He was delivering them from Pharaoh. And God has delivered us from a place called hell. But these were God's lead people. We see the place here. After they went, they came out. Pharaoh finally let them come out. They came out and they were searching for that better land. They were looking for the Canaan land. They get down to the Red Sea. They get to the borderline of that blessing that God promised them they was going to have. And all they seen was an obstacle in front of them. Now, why would you think that God would have told them... I'm going to take you out of this place and I'm giving you the promised land over here without them realizing in their own minds God's going to take care of the obstacle that's in front of them. And that's the way it is today. You talk to people about being saved and they say, well, God don't know what I... Y'all just don't know what and all I've done. God can't forgive me for what I've done or he can't forgive me for that. He can't forgive me for this. But see, God, just like the, just like the sea there, God can remove those obstacles. When God looks at you and looks at me and we ask the Lord to forgive us, he'll forgive us of our sin. He separated the water and let them go over on the other side. The enemy of, of Pharaoh, they was right behind them. They could hear the chariots roaring. They could hear the horses. They could hear... Probably the soldiers hitting their, sh- their shields with the swords and all these things. And they could hear them coming, getting closer and closer and closer. Now, a lot of times, you know, we get saved. That's when no devil attacks us. He becomes more real in your life and my life when you get to where you start doing the will of God. When you get to where God wants you, the devil, he'll start making himself more real. And here they was. They was worried and scared to death. And that's the way it is with us. Sometimes, you know, the devil attacks us when we get right with God and get saved. And sometimes people sit back and say, well, I don't know what I've done to deserve this. And then you got people around you that, that, that go to church sometimes, every once in a blue moon, and then they'll come over to the house if, you're, if you, you know, maybe somebody here that, when he wasn't saved. And, and then you say, well, if God's not worth going to their house on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, then why do I want their God? Why do I want to put my trust in Jesus? I live just as good as they do. But we see here these people right here. They got to the point here 
they heard the enemy coming, and they began to wonder. The devil got them to thinking in their heads, was this all worth it? When we got saved and become a, a child of God, sometime in our life we might have wondered the same thing. Is it all worth it? When we accepted the Lord as our personal Savior, that didn't mean that everything in our life was going to be real smooth and real easy. Deaths come everybody's way. Tragedies come everybody's way. We have problems just like the people of the world. But there's one thing we've got that the world ain't got. They can't turn to God. They can't turn to the Lord to help ease that suffering and that pain. Makes me wonder sometimes, how how can they stand it? How can they get by? We're living in a world of sin and don't have nobody that's got any power that can really help them like God can. I remember one time, <clears throat> I might have mentioned it before, I had about three vehicles, and every one of them, I'd get one fixed and the other two would tear up. <clears throat> I went to the auto parts store, and they said, well, I don't see how you could hardly stand it. I said, it could be worse off. I said, I could be lost and dying and going to hell, but I'm saved, and I got three vehicles, and at least God's helping me keep one going. <clears throat> but people are worried about the circumstances that they're in. And there, God had brought them up. Pharaoh's uh, army was coming after them. Their greatest test here at the Red Sea was before them. And our greatest test for us today is before us. God promised you and me something. God told, he, told you and me he'd take care of us. He made all these promises we've got here in the book. When it comes down to it, are we will, really wanting to claim them? Are we willing to do whatever it is to get them? Are we willing to witness to someone? Somebody here might be saying, well, I wish I could witness to somebody. Or might be something else that God's got a, a particular blessing for you. But are you really willing to reach out and grab it? <clears throat> These people right here, when they was down here at the Red Sea, all they could see before them was, was the Red Sea, the enemy behind them. Here they was thinking, well, God just brought us out here to die. And then sometimes people think, well, sometimes I believe people think that uh, they're all alone even when they're saved. But, you know, that's when God's there and that's when the Lord's there taking care of us. Something might have happened in your, in, uh, on down the road and by the time you get down there to where you would have been, you might have been in a wreck or something. But we see the plan here. They had planned, when they got here, God had his plan. And they had their own plan. They were sitting there saying, why don't we just give up? Why don't we just give up God's plan and go back down there to Pharaoh 
and live in slavery and, and live in, in all the things that they have down there in Egypt, even if we have to go through slavery and all, why don't we just go back down there and forget about the promised land? Somebody here might say the same thing. Well, I'm just going to give up on what God told me he was going to do for me. Or I'm going to quit praying the prayer I've been praying because God's not hearing me and not answering it yet. It might be one prayer short of seeing a miracle. Somebody saved. Somebody healed. But we see these people right here... <clears throat> They was looking, they said, I, we'd rather be back there living with the devil's crowd. They, some people today get saved, and if they really get saved, they don't want to have nothing to do with the devil's crowd. But some people get to thinking, boy, I sure had fun back in them days, and they'd rather be there. But there's nothing fun back. See, the, <clears throat> that's the thing about God. That's the thing about the Lord. Our best is yet to come. We can't imagine what heaven looks like. We can't imagine what the throne of God looks like. We can't imagine what anything looks like. The mansion, the streets, or anything. We can't imagine because our best, best is yet to come. But see, the old devil, he knows that when this life is over for a lost person, there's nothing but pain, misery, and suffering. He's offering the best that he can to the lost people now because that's all he's got. That's all he can offer them because he knows it. It's hopeless for him too because eventually he's going to be bound and cast in chains and cast down into hell too. He's just wanting to take as many as he can with him. And we see these people right here wishing, I wish I could just go back and things could be like they used to be. I don't know about you. Don't matter how good a morally person you are, you won't want to go back the way you used to be. Don't you like the way it is now? I mean, it's not perfect, and we have problems, and all everything comes around. Every time you turn around, something's going on. But I still wouldn't trade it for nothing that the world had to offer. <clears throat> they planned on material gains. They were, they were planning ahead of God's plans. <clears throat> See, when they left Egypt, they took some gold and stuff like that, that that they had had there that they'd gathered together when they left. And, and, and that's how they made the, stat, the, the, the calf's head and all that stuff. Stuff that was material things from ungodliness and brought in. And we see that they planned for material gain, but see, they, they took God's plan completely out of it. Even when the, the sea was divided and they walked across, they complained because God was taking care of their needs, but they weren't satisfied. And then we find out that when Moses goes up on the mountain, he comes back down and he finds out, here they was worshiping idols. They done took God out. God blessed them and brought them out of Egypt. And here they are going in towards the promised land. And here they are 
already wanting to get back out into the ungodliness that was going on back in Egypt. They planned to put their judgments on what was best for them in front of what God said was best for them. You go back in the Old Testament, and you look like in Jeremiah and some of the Old Testament books and all, it talks about exactly how our country is getting tonight now. Not the world, but our country, what the Bible says is going to be in the last days. It pretty well states what God says is wrong is acceptable. And what God said is wrong is all right. So in other words, they're saying all this ungodliness going on around about us is all right. And God's wrong now. Now the world is saying, well, God, this country of ours is saying, well, God's wrong. That's not a sin. That's not a sin. That's just a lifestyle that somebody chooses to have or whatever it might be. They're saying, well, God's, they're going against God's word. It's, it's not a sin no more. It's a lifestyle. But when it gets to the point where people is turning away from God's <clears throat> will, I mean, God is not going to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed. People might as well forget it because he's not. They were destroyed for a reason because it was sin in them days and it's sin today. And that's the way the world's getting, getting now. The world is, especially our country, is starting to take laws and from other governments across the world and throw them in on us <clears throat> and forcing them on us. And it's starting to push God out. And the only place you'll really hear the truth is when you're in God's house. But they plan to put the judgment also, they plan to put their judgment on what was best for them and best for their children. Ahead of a godly country that God was willing to give them. God had called them. In reality, their judgment would be against God's will. And y'all know how they went in, and some of them had said, Well, we can't go in here and defeat the enemy. There's too many of them. They're too big and all these, all these things. And, and you know how God, the, the story goes. God says, well, uh, you can just forget going into the promised land. You can just forget going in there. If you're not willing to stand up and fight for what's right, you can just forget it. And it's time that, that we stand up for what is right. <clears throat> But they said, you can just give this, to our, give this to somebody else. Give it to our servants. We don't want you to bless us with this. You can have it. But we see, <clears throat> they wanted a possession of something 
They wanted something that they could say was theirs and possession of it worse or more than they wanted to have a profession of saying, God gave us this land. God gave us this country. It wasn't us that was fighting. It was God that enabled us to fight to defeat the enemy. They wanted to be able to pat themselves on the back. Their action grieved Moses in verse 6. <clears throat> well, that's, that's, yeah, verse 6. He said, Moses said to the children of God, Gad, and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to war? And shall you sit here? <clears throat> in other words, it said, Are you going to sit here and let somebody else fight for you? How many times do you at church, sometimes somebody brings it up in the classroom <clears throat> or brings it up at church and uh, seems like you're the only one willing to fight the fight? You know, somebody you know what I'm talking about? There's something going on and you want to do something about it or something that needs done at church or something and it seems like nobody else is wanting to fight the fight. Here, these people right here, they weren't willing to fight. If somebody else wants it, let them go out there and get it. That's kind of like the whole story about the chicken and all the farm farm animals. He tried to get them all to, I believe if I'm doing this is right, if it's not right, then somebody can say something about it later. Tried to get all the farm animals to plow, plant the garden and none of them wanted to help him. He went out there and planted a garden. It got time to eat. Everybody wanted to eat. And he said, wait a minute. Y'all wasn't out there helping me plant and helping <clears throat> get the grass out of the flowers and, I mean, the, the crops and stuff too. But, all, boy, they all wanted their hand in it. They wanted their share. They weren't willing to do nothing. And that's the way these people right here were. They said, well, if somebody else, just give it to somebody else. I ain't interested. <clears throat> But we see their action displeased God because God told them he brought them out of Egypt and promised them something and here they wasn't even willing to want to even do anything to try to get it. And that's like us. God promised us something. If God's promised you something or or, or you prayed maybe about something, are you willing to do whatever it is God wants you to do? That he'd bless you with it or he'd do whatever it is. Sometimes it doesn't take nothing complicated because when you take that first step, God's done took care of it for you. But their action displeased God and and God <clears throat> wasn't happy about it and, and God doesn't compromise because verse 10 it says, and the Lord's anger was kindred the same time and he swore saying, surely None of these men that came up out of Egypt for 20 years old and upward shall see the land in which I swear to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob because they have not wholly followed me. What if God was to say, If you don't wholly follow, follow me and do my word and, and the, the entire Bible apply it to your heart, 
if you wholly don't follow me, you're not going to make it in. But we see right here in these <clears throat> these verses, God don't compromise. Their actions discourage the other brethren and say, well, if they ain't going to go in and fight, or if they say that there's no way we can win, then ain't no use us going in and fighting this fight if we're not going to win. If they want to go on out there and kill themselves and do all these things and try to do what they can, fine. But sounds like it's a losing cause to me. But their actions discourage one another. And they talked herself out of getting a blessing from God. And that's something we don't ever need to do. If, we, if we've been praying about something and God's gonna, we feel like God's going to answer a prayer, we don't need to give up on I don't know how many of y'all watch, watch Americans Got Talent, <clears throat> but that's my thing. It made me mad when the, masquer- the masqueraders got kicked off. Because I like them. But you know, I had a point about that and I don't forget what it was. <laughs> oh, I guess it, I got hit by a tree in the head a while back. I guess it's something happened to me. But I had a point there and I'll probably think about it when I get to the red light down there. <clears throat> oh, I remember. God gave it to me. He said he wanted me to pay attention driving. They asked them gentlemen, because y'all know about segregation and all that, and the writing all started out up there where they was at and all, the, the, and everything going on, blacks and whites and everything was going on, that crazy jump. And uh, so they sent them home and told them for their safety they need to leave. So they asked them why they was back on America's Got Talent, and they said because they never quit dreaming. They never quit dreaming. If you've been praying about something or asking God about something, keep on praying. God might want you to be something great. If you, if it don't matter if if you like to cut grass, God make you the best grass cutter the church had ever seen. Or if you want to do like these, this couple over here, God's led them to take care of the kids and do the things and the men's ministry. He can make them the best that this world's ever seen. What it is you pray about and wanting to happen in your life, God can take care of that too. I don't give up on being a good singer. That's just like they said, uh, I'm working on my second million. I've done gave up on my first one. It's done, done forget that. <clears throat> anyway, to get back here. <clears throat> But their actions discourage one another. And, and, and God says, well, all right, since you ain't wanting to do what I'm willing and wanting you to do, and it's yours, that's just like Jericho. What if uh, the walls of Jericho never would have fell if there hadn't been somebody with some faith and said, well, God told us to do this, we're going to do it. And all they had to do was march around, and the walls fell. But anyway, in verse number 14, it said, And behold, you're risen up. In your, as he is, God is saying here, you're risen up in your father's stead, an increase of simple men to augment 
yet the fierceness anger of the Lord towards Israel. See, that was one of the problems that children of Israel had. It was God's people. They'd live on fire for God, then they'd start straying away from God. They'd stray further away. And here God would send the enemy down. Here they'd be in a battle. God helped them win the battle, and boy, they'd be on fire for God for a while. And then he got away. <clears throat> churches were filled up for a while. Now things is settling down. Things good. But that's the way the children of Israel all their life was, was in a cycle. Round and around. Get on fire for God, do what they want to do. Do what was in there, right in their own sight. <clears throat> round and around. That's what the Bible's saying right here. You're just like your father's. <clears throat> You're hard-headed, you're stubborn, you don't want to obey God. You don't want to to live the life I want you to. And God's saying, you won't listen to me when I tell you I'm going to give you something, I'll give it to you. You're walking away from a promise. And that's the way every every chance somebody's lost, hears the word of God or, or get witness to, and they don't accept the Lord. They're turning around and they're walking away from a promise of everlasting life if they don't ever get saved. But their actions proved that they was the father's son. But the thing about it was they they was stopped short of a victory that God had told them they'd have. Sometimes we stop short of a victory that God wants us to have. I don't know what it, yours might be. But sometimes we might stop one prayer short of somebody getting saved. We, we know and don't know. We might stop one prayer short of seeing somebody being healed of some kind of disease. Might stop praying one time short of receiving a great blessing. But they, <clears throat> when these children of Israel right here, though, when they lost their sight, that's when they lost their blessing. And you and I as Christians, we don't ever need to lose our sight on serving God and obeying God and doing what the Lord wants us to do. They cut themselves off from the greatest blessings that they could have. God done took them out of slavery God done fed them, done brought them across the Red Sea, was taking care of them. They turned against God, and they built the image. Then God forgave them. The old God, Moses go back up there and tell them, God, we're, we're sorry. We, we done this. Ask them to forgive us. Here Moses goes back up there. God forgives them, tells them how to melt the gold back down and make the image of the serpent and all, and all that. <clears throat> and then they... Here they in a full circle again. God's got a, a plan for them, and they've done took their sights off of it. God had a deal with them, and they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't fall through with the deal. They cut themselves off with the fellowship of their brethren by not going in and doing what they're supposed to, and in battle and taking what God had promised them. All of them from that age, what I say, 20 on down or something like that, was told uh, that they would never see 
promised land. They'd be killed. They'd die and never receive the blessing. That fellowship among the brethren was gone. They cut themselves off from serving God. There's no telling if they'd went in there. There's no telling how God would have blessed them. If we cut ourselves off on God, there's no telling how far short we'll fall from what we could be for God. And the worst thing is, when they said, when they looked at circumstances and didn't think God could take care of them, they said, we won't do it. They separated themselves from God. the appointed leader to have Moses God has given us a promise he's given us promises throughout the Bible and he wants each and every one of us to be the best that we can be for him Not to say, look at me, boy, I'm really doing this, and I'm really doing that. Uh, But say, God's really using me. I never could have done that without God doing it for me. I know a lot of you have been through things in your life, and you get to thinking about it, and you say, well, if, if God hadn't took care of that, I don't know what I'd done. And y'all might could relate to this. I ain't had this happen to me in a while. But you have something going wrong on a job or something go wrong somewhere and you just dread the next morning getting up and having to go work because you know there's going to be a problem or something's going to blow up or something. And you get up and you go on in by faith. And God done took care of it. Think about when the last time you worried about something. And when you got up, you found out it was done took care of. It wasn't worth worrying about. These people that we just read about and talked about, they should have known that all these things that they was worried about was already took care of. When God makes a promise, he never goes back on his word. And when God made a promise to us, Jesus says, he says, well, I have them in my hand. Everybody, everyone that God has given me he said, nobody can pluck them out of his hand. There's nothing. The devil, the devil can't take you, take that inheritance. You know, when Jesus died on the cross and we accept the Lord as our personal Savior, the day we accept him as our Savior, our name was written down in heaven. We became a citizen of heaven. And the devil can't take that away from you or me. It's wrote down. It's done been took care of. And ain't nothing the devil can do about it. 
But he will cause us to, get, to wonder sometimes. Well, if they know what I've done, they'd let me, never let me teach Sunday school. Or they'd never let me uh, do this. Or they'd never let me do that. That's what the old devil does. He tries to knock us out of blessings. And he tries to knock us out of serving God. Because God don't want us to get saved and just sit there. He's got a plan for everybody. Brother Mark, what's your song got? Altars open. 374. 374. Standing as we sing. Thank you. 